in a universe where life does not end at death. We explore the infinite possibilities forged by our very minds. Welcome to our Thadian Anthologies. Greetings, fellow travelers and storytellers. Welcome to the Arthadian Anthologies podcast, where I, MS Arthadian, dive into the ever-expanding universe I'm developing and the deeper meaning behind it all. We have reached a pivotal moment in this anthology. One that will begin the long and winding road that will determine the fate of the core. Setting the stage, I will be plotting the pieces, so to speak, of all the major players that will influence the realms in more ways than one. To start, you've learned about the influence the Yen had in this current timeline. How it has been altered in some ways, and the rise of a mysterious figure that is referred to as the Archon. Each instance of the Archon being referenced stems from the mention of ebony black reticons throughout the course of this podcast. You may remember in Entry 50 when the ambassadors met with Montezelic, or perhaps the first Keratomancy when Vardok followed the traitors into their portal, or even in Entry 67 when Asuma infiltrated the crime lords of Sector 399. Even so, this saga will bring forth the deeper aspects of this growing threat and how the Reticon of Moriat might plan to stop them. That's if they even choose to. So without further ado, let's dive in. Time is a tricky thing. For most, it flows in one way, but can be understood to bend and twist when manipulated by the higher entities. But what happens when manipulation occurs? Well, the laws of time that govern the core state that there is always a cost when messing with it. Meant to be a deterrent, but still... Manipulation persists when desperation overwhelms. Why is this important? How am I able to think like this now, when before my mind was scattered? A door slides open, breaking Master Forger Zermo out of his line of thoughts. Stepping into his chamber is his apprentice, Azon, an aspiring young Reticon Runeforger from Moriot. Greetings, Master. I am ready for another mark of training, Azon announces with great enthusiasm. However, you can tell that his master still has much on his mind. With a heavy sigh and his arms crossed, Zermo gives his apprentice a stern look. Master? Are, are you 
Zermo stands up before Azon can finish his sentence. Approaching Azon and closely examining him, he gives off a slight smirk and says, It's time to go home. Leaving the runic seminary on the harbor, Zermo and Azon begin their journey to the Pillar of Moriot. However, instead of using the Pillar transport located within the seminary, Zermo leads his apprentice towards the exit. Master, why are we not using the transport? Sometimes it is better to be reminded of just how small we are compared to the vastness of these realms. Azon nods, hearing his master's wisdom and turning back towards the seminary as they step out onto the landing zone for a pod to retrieve them. After a couple minutes, their pod arrives, causing turbulent winds to cyclone around them. Azon holds on to his runic strap as if he was about to fly off the edge of the landing zone. Being the runt that he is, his confidence is still lacking. Zermo enters the pod. Please take us to the cosmic station. So we're taking a shuttle over? Azon asks. Zermo sighs from his apprentice's reaction. As a runeforger, you must know the layout of our foundation. Only then can you protect it. Right. Azon nods once more. Know the foundation, he mutters in repetition. The pod then lifts off of the seminary and jumps through the sky at mock speeds. Gazing out the window, Azon watches as below them, hundreds of other pods hover about in a multitude of directions, and beneath them is the capital of Eozin. As the pod lowers, Azon is able to make out the Sidorian courts as well as the Alliance Archive. Since the Runic Seminary is built on the mountainside of the Vector Range, their journey to the heart of Vosador takes around 20 minutes in a pod. Suddenly, their pod begins rumbling as they pass through a thick cloud. Azon sits back in his seat, trying hard to keep his composure. But when looking towards his master, he sees him in a meditative state. Um... Master, do you enjoy flying? <laughs> Zermo chuckles. Although I'm not fond of it, it does have its uses. How so? Close your eyes, Azon. Focus beyond the vessel we find ourselves in. How close we are to the star that gives this planet its life. The energy flowing from the atmosphere as we glide down towards the earth. Azon follows his master's words, attempting to expand his sight beyond the pod, into the clouds, and towards the ground. But as he focuses, he hears a voice. These two will be our pines for the new age. Azon feels trapped by an invisible screen when suddenly he feels a hand grab his shoulder and his eyes widen. Azon, we are here. Huh. Sorry, Master. I. He steps out from the pod as Zermo waits for him to finish his sentence. I don't know what just happened. 
He shakes his head as Zerma waves the pilot off. Then his master kneels down to him. You have great potential, Azon. But always remember that the power within us is a tricky thing. If we cannot control where it flows, then it will become chaotic and show us parts of ourselves we may not like. Understood, Master. Another nod. But Azon seems confused as Zermo enters the cosmic station. Ignoring it for now, the two of them approach the Runeforger hangar bay, where Zermo's personal RF-720 resides. Manufactured by the Command Science Division, helmed by Master Forger Aether Vale. The 720 series are small spacecraft made specifically for Master Forgers and their apprentices. Entering Zermo's hangar, the side of his 720 reads in Votanian, Extiav Dewan, which translates to a trial at dawn. Azon notices this as he enters the spacecraft. Master, what prompted the name? Zermo stares back at his apprentice, noticing his curiosity, then sighs and instead of answering, he hands him a safety harness. Put this on and strap into the co-pilot's chair. Azon is confused at first, wondering why no answer but he listens to his master and straps in. Zermo then takes his seat at the pilot's chair. All right, listen up. You need to plot in these coordinates. EM QF 01 001-0082. It should be simple enough. Right. Simple. Got it. Azon looks over the navigation console, beginning the sequencer, that then spirals like a game of Twister being spun. Focusing carefully, Azon seems nervous. Master, is it supposed to spin like this? Yes. The spin is due to the ever-changing path of the realms dancing around each other. There is a trick to it. It's not about how quick you are. If you rush it, you'll most certainly fail. Uh, Understood. Hazan then focuses his attention once more, watching the dial spinning. Each second that passes, Hazan hears a vibration stemming from the sequencer. He mutters to himself, Paths of the realms? The way they flow. He locks the first sequence into EM. Then the console spins counterclockwise faster than before. But Azon senses the flow and locks the second and third one right away into QF01001. The last sequence speeds up as it cycles through. But Azon has an epiphany. The sequencer is on a coded language that flows in the same way a Runeforger thinks. He closes his eyes and locks in the final sequence, 0082. With the coordinates locked in place, Master Zermo activates the jump drive as the thrusters rumble, causing the controls to vibrate. He then veers toward his apprentice, 
great work, Azon. Now it's time to see how accurately you placed us. He slowly pushes forward on the thrusters as they lift the Exiav Dewan from the hangar bay and blast off into the harbor's stratosphere. The gravity shoves them against their chairs, with Azon struggling to keep his eyes open. The pressure is too intense for him as he hears Zermo called out. Azon! What is the thing that drives you to become a rune forger? I, I, the pressure is too much. But in his weakened state, Azon sees his brother Vardok fighting off a beast, protecting him once more. His will then powers through, his eyes widening, and he yells out with newfound confidence. I want to become powerful enough to protect myself and others in a sudden shift of pressure the ST of Dewan levels out as they begin trailing through the harbor's planetary ring watching as they soar past the many celestial rocks Azon feels himself become weightless from the lack of gravity. A few switches are pressed by Zermo, turning on the artificial gravity. Artificial gravity is on. We will be at the quantum force in approximately two hours. During this time, I would like you to meditate on any energy patches you detect as we glide through space. Upon giving this directive... Zermo switches on the autopilot. Autopilot confirmed. And steps out of the cockpit. Azon looks out to see the emptiness of space. Very few stars could be seen due to it being submergence. He thinks to himself, Energy patches? Closing his eyes, meditating on any patches he could sense. There are a number of things he detects. Although he didn't expect it, he could feel the abundance of cosmic energy originating from the harbor. And further out is a buildup of quantum energy. He assumes it to be the QF. But then something grabs his attention. A faint pulse of the void makes itself known, seeming to be within the vessel. Azon stands up slowly glancing toward where he detected the void energy. He sees the door where his master went through. From what he knows of the void, it is a corrupting force that, if misused, can lead to destruction of one's own psyche. Approaching his master's room, Azon unclips his kinetic rune, preparing himself to face a void walker. But as soon as he reaches the door, it slides open and standing there is Master Zermo. Azon? What's wrong? Azon trembles and says, Master, why did I feel the void coming from your room? Zermo seems confused. Then curious as he opens the door and says, Interesting. You sense the void in here. Yes, 
Azon walks in, keeping his distance from his master. I'm not going to ask again. Why did I sense the void? Zermo sighs, closing his eyes and says, I'm glad your classes taught you to be on guard when in such presence. But I assure you, Azon, you have nothing to fear from me. It is submergence, which means the void is more present. It could be that you sense an anomaly. He explains, calmly. Azon keeps his guard up. Then you wouldn't mind me looking through your room? Not at all. By all means, investigate, Azon. Zermo smiles proudly. Azon can't tell whether he is lying or if he's telling the truth. But he definitely wants to believe his master. Therefore, he spends the next two hours checking every crevice of Zermo's chamber. Then, the alarm system goes off, informing them of their approach to the quantum force. They strap into their safety harnesses, pass through to the other side, and reach the Moriot star system. Azon's fear is not set aside. Therefore, he continues searching for any hints of the void. But once they land, he doesn't find anything. Azon sighs with a bit of relief. I'm sorry, Master. I swore I felt it. Do not apologize, Azon. You have incredible instincts that I trust as well. If you felt the void, I trust you. But always know, I will never place you in harm's way. Azon gives off a smile. Thank you, Master. Zermo nods as he opens the door to a sprawling jungle in front of the Grand Tree Moriot. He steps out, looking back towards his apprentice, and says proudly, Welcome home. I thank you for listening to this entry. Next week will be a shorter entry that will bring forth lore behind Moriot. If you are just now joining the anthology, check out OurTheodianAnthologies.com for more content that expands this new expanding universe. You can also support the creation of this podcast by donating through the link found in the description of this episode. Until next time, travelers. Be safe. Stay safe, and if death comes to you, may you be reborn in power.